and welcome to some derps talk about games i'm your co-host mango and i am your co-host buddy and today we're going to talk a little bit about letting players fail but before we do that buddy why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast on this podcast we like to talk about games and today we're talking about um so this came so th so this came up because of uh, uh a new mmo coming out well really this is your topic so why don't you introduce it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh it's 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 i don't know it's been it was kickstarted a while ago the name of the the game is crowfall um it is a crowdfunded mmo from a bunch of people who did a bunch of old mmos but um, they did a big reveal earlier this month about a bunch of stuff they were changing about kind of the the planning and the way things went. And the big thing was uh, – one of the big things is essentially they've moved from, like, this kind of more rigid class system to um, you get to add uh, kind of these these small kind of mini classes to, your to, to like, two different slots on your character. Um, they're called disciplines. Um, but one of the things they went over um, – in, in kind of their design philosophy pieces was that um, uh, that there was going to be a ton of combinations um, and they were trying to maximize player choice. And that par as part and parcel of that, um, not every combination was going to be good and there were going to be certain combinations that were that would be that would be like more optimized. There were, but their goal was to have no one um, combination that was the best. And um, as part of that, it was like you you have to you have to think about what you're doing. You have you, you know the the game will let you fail. The game will let you put together a bad build, um, if you want to. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting thing to kind of look into because, uh, the the kind of uh, accusation I guess that's been leveled a lot at a lot of modern gaming is that it's being kind of babyfied. And um, that player choice, like things like player choice, are being restricted in the sake of making uh, the things like a bad build harder to do. Um, well, the one that springs to mind for me is in Diablo three, you can't individually adjust your stats; they go up by a, a by a uh, a predetermined um, stat block, uh, which is a thing that was removed from the, the that was present in Diablo two. Um, and so I think that kind of thing. Um, it stands in stark contrast to something like this where, where there's, there's a big emphasis on kind of player, uh, intervention, uh, uh, and, and player choice. So, um, do you think that there's any other games that are on the market now that you would say exhibit the same properties as what they're describing in Crowfall? Huh. Um... Yeah, like I, I feel like I feel like a lot of theme park MMOs kind of tend tend in that direction. Um, like if if you look over, say, like the 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 history of of WoW, um, like the the amount of uh, choice kind of gets like restricted. And in some ways, I think this is good, right? Like the, the the original talent system was a lot more was was a lot more points, but like a lot le like it, it, the the choices weren't always didn't always feel meaningful. Um, but even now, with the with the with the uh, three choices per talent tree, um, there's kind of like a, a a a solved solution for for what's the best end, and they they actively try and get rid of that so that any combination of things it seems to be, like correct like it, it's, I I think in WoW's ideal world every choice combination is equally valid, um, which is. Which is kind of good at like a balance level, and also, um, but it's also kind of like by 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 like kind of paring down the choices so 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 far as they have to these, like one out of three, 
um, it kind of like it's it's almost kind of necessary. Otherwise, you do end up in these 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 single choice situations. Um, and I, I think that's kind of something endemic to to to, to theme park MMOs. Nobody wants um, nobody wants to feel worse than anybody else. Um, so, it, uh, for definition purposes, what is a theme park MMO, and what are the other types of MMOs that you might otherwise compare it against? Um, so, a theme park MMO is 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 kind of like the uh, just uh, it's it's one of the more popular types now. It's, it's it's an MMO where you go through content as kind of like um, experiences, like you 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 want to experience um, the raid, or you want to experience kind of the the different quest lines. Um, and it's about uh, um, kind of consuming that content as kind of a uh, as an experience, like like a ride at a theme park. That's where the name comes from. Okay. Right? Um, whereas I like the the comparison that gets drawn is, is to the older style uh, of MMO, some of the more open ones like Dark Age of Camelot, where it's kind of more open world and it's about more organic interaction in that space, rather than experiencing um, well well produced types of events. Um, and I, I th those are the two major big ones that the two major classifications and at least that that thematic sphere is like more open world versus more theme park. Um, seems to okay. be like a sliding scale. Sure. Do you, you agree with that definition? Uh, I well, I mean, well, agreeing with it, it's it's not a it's not a term that I've seen before. So I oh, just really? want to. Well, okay, I have seen it before, but I also just wanted to get uh, I like I didn't really have one to like I don't have like another definition. To compete with that sort of thing, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I also think that you know, like I also think to a certain extent that like MMOs naturally gravitate towards this, uh, like with time. Like I think the original version of World of Warcraft is actually much more of an open world uh, version of the game, and it has been getting more and more theme parky. Uh, and I don't mean that as a I don't mean that as like a detriment. I think that's the game naturally responding to the culture, right? Um, and even as people, like, even though, uh, people are theoretically nostalgic or nostalgic kind of for that, like open world feel or whatever, uh, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's an example of players saying they want something when they don't actually, um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Anyway, uh, so, um, Crowfall's perspective would be to put in a whole bunch of different talents, right? And essentially not worry about the balance therein, and let players figure it out to see what is to see what is good and what's and what's bad on their own. Is the, is that so? Is it, 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 it's not that careless, right? It's it's not that you know they kind of throw these things to the, to the wind and just let everything filter out. It's they they do some sort of active balancing, but they don't put they don't try and make it so that every potential combination is an optimal one, right? Like you. Like there are some combinations that will be inferior, uh, and I think that to that you know that leads to a little bit more of um, hands off on on the balancing initially, um, is kind of by its nature, um, but that it's essentially uh, the the impression I get from them is that they want kind of every they they want everything they put in to be a viable thing like they don't want anything to be totally useless, but they don't. They don't want to have to guarantee that, say, like, um, like, like one of their subclasses is, or one of these disciplines is bard. Um, they don't want to have to guarantee that every combination of bard with, uh, with, with every other discipline, with every class, is is an optimal, 
um, or, or an optimal good combination, right? Like some some of these combinations, like 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 um, like a lot of the crafting mechanics are also kind of in this discipline space, I believe. So like a bard miner is probably not going to be a great combination. Um, whereas like maybe a bard, uh, the a bard archer, um, or a bard ranger, I think is the class that they're using, might be a better fit. Uh, right. Or something, or so, something to that effect. So, would you would you think about this a little bit in the term of uh, like in League of Legends, uh, like making like off builds like AP Warwick, uh, or you know uh, like full AD Scion. You know what I mean? Like like these kinds of uncommon cheesy builds that yeah. So, so is, actually, is a little bit like that. You think? So actually, I, I think this is kind of a good example because I think League of Legends does have the ability to let to kind of let players feel yes like i think so i think that the off-builds league of legends unlike in crowfall they the off-builds league of legends aren't typically smiled upon right like i think that i haven't played league in a while but i think that like tank echo is a thing that the designers at riot really didn't intend and it's kind of grown into this kind of mainstay of the character and i don't think they i don't think that they like that very much right um but on the same token, you could you can buy AP on, on like Darius, who has no AP ratios. Um, and that's the kind of thing where you let a player fail, whereas I think it's something that was standing in stark contrast to that is something like Heroes of the Storm, where you don't have those opportunities to, uh, to, to fail as much, if that makes sense. Right. Um, See, because I think the thing, I'm like, I'm a little, uh, I'm kind of like beating, beating around the bush, uh, to a certain extent, because the thing that interests me about this discussion a little bit is the idea of what constitutes failure, right? Because even in Heroes of the Storm, um, or, well, Heroes of the Storm is a worse example than World of Warcraft, so I'm just going to go with that. Like, So in World of Warcraft, um, even in the relatively sterile version of the game, like, balance-wise, right? Like, where there's not a big percentage difference between, you know, build X and build Y sort of thing. Um, the percentage difference is what is what creates... These things are judged relative to one another, Right. More so than they are judged relative to, you know, anything else. And so even though it's maybe a 5 or 10%, you know, like DPS difference between Arms and Fury, right, the, uh, the numbers will come out and say, you know what, like... The, like, people will still look at those numbers and say that this is 10% better and therefore one is good, the other is bad. And um, now you have you know, 40,000 Fury Warriors and 4,000 Arms Warriors, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that, that, and I think that that's just like a natural, I hate that by the way. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, the developers at Blizzard hate that too, because, you know, they are constantly trying to achieve balance and they have things like bring the player, not the class, right? You know, stuff like that sort of thing. Um, so, but but uh, I don't know. How do you how do you how do you feel when it comes to these things? When like you start defining failure relatively, like relative to the optimum, uh, rather than by by you know any other kind of measure. Uh, so so I think part of the the issue there is that like everybody's gonna fight over every scrap of everything that they can always. If that makes sense, like if. If they achieved, if Blizzard achieved, like, a narrow band that was, like, you know, 
a tenth of a percent difference between like the best class, like you know, the theoretical best DPS, the theoretical worst DPS. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd still be people that saying that playing like the worst DPS classes is trash. And why would you do that? Type of deal or, or spec. I guess people. Are, I think people are a little bit more flexible with classes, uh, just because there's like a time investment thing there. Um, Tell me if I'm wrong about that, but no, uh, I feel it, I, I typically find this inside of specs, right? Like that arms fury thing is legit, right? Right. You know, at the beginning of the expansion, arms was better than fury, and so there were a ton of arms warriors, right? Uh, and then as people moved into Nighthold, where fury all of a sudden became much better than arms, um, the lion's share of warriors just and and those numbers that I'm quoting, I mean, I'm quoting a little bit, right? Like. The numbers that I saw were about 44,000 Arms Warrior in kind of high-end endgame content, which is essentially Heroic Nighthold, right? Uh, and higher, right? Uh, versus about 7,000 Arms Warriors. Um, and so, you know, it's so it's not quite a magnitude of 10, but it's still a magnitude of 6, you know what I mean? That, like... Uh, for every one arms, there are going to be six fury, and uh, and so I think that the, you know, like the, to me, that really demonstrates that people define things relatively, right? You know, like as an arms warrior, I still put out great damage, right? I am I top uh, I top the DPS meters in our raids and everything like that. Uh, it's not like it's not like I can't down heroic Gul'dan or participate in mythic content or anything like that but there's the you know like there is the perception that fury is uh you know is fury is the more consistent dps spec than arms uh and so it drives you know like that drives people to play it yeah no i i totally get that i think that by kind of leaving the design a little bit more open right like i think that if let's say Let's say that, um, well, or, you know, let, let's, let's take, oh, let's, let's a try DPS class, like, like, say, um, mage. Hunters, or yeah, mages. Or yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if, I think if, like, you have the kind of, I, I, I think this also is, it's not a perfect analogy, but, like, if, like, our, let's say Arcane and Fire are close to each other, and, like, Frost is, like, a severe drop-off, like, Frost is, like, you know, like 50 percentage points below, um, b- below arcane and fire, then people care less about the difference between arcane and fire. And as I'm saying, that, I don't think this is perfect. Cause I also think that like, there's, you kind of have to have this, this system that the Crowfall people are, are describing as, as this more open system where it's not this three choices. There's like 50 choices and there'll be like a handful of choices that are good. Um, and also kind of, like, mechanically, like, uh, different in a, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and some choices that will be, like, mediocre and some choices that will be, like, awful. Um, and also th- those things kind of, like, varying on situation, right? Like, this is this is a also a wild thing, right? Like, that, like, you know, overall arms might be better than, than Fury, but, like, Fury excels at single target, right? Is, is that is that accurate? Or, or uh, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. Or so, something yeah, like that, yeah. for, for for sake of example, right? Like, if you have kind of enough of those, like, you know, butts in the situation, right? Like, I I think kind of like the clustering of better dis better choices, you you you, the difference between the better choices gets put less under a microscope if it's in the context of a field of 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 uh of lesser choices, right? Like, you know. 
if if there's like of a field of 25 if there are five that are good then people kind of like oh these are kind of like the top this is kind of like you see this in um in in fighting games right like okay um people rank characters and and there, there's there's arguments about how different the tiers really are but um one of the kind of pieces of advice that I see consistently recommended by like some of the the more vocal people is like if you want to not have a shit time with this new game that came out just pick a top tier character right don't do this if you're going to think about it in in like a competitive way and you're you're serious about trying to build up into this stop hamstringing yourself by picking a low tier character just pick a top tier character okay um but people don't really go it like you know people don't really go into the kind of minute differences between the characters in the tier, right? Like if there's enough of a difference that it's, that it's a different tier bracket. And, you know, while like say um, I'm, I'm not up on my smash tierings, but like uh, I think, I think Marth and like Fo- Marth and Fox are generally at the top. So I'll yeah. go with them, right? Like Marth and Fox have their own like weaknesses and strengths and whatever, but people don't talk so much about the power differential between those two because, you know, they're, they're more concerned about the difference between, say, uh, like, that tier, the Martha Fox tier, versus, like, the Ganondorf tier. Which okay. Is, um, and, and so people put, put those differences less under a microscope, and you, you it, it kind of, like, frees up player choice in that way. So, but when that comes to, like, so when that comes to WoW, uh, and we don't see players, you know what I mean? Like, players typically respect the class boundary. All of these things are kind of internal to the spec. Do you find that that sort of behavior is still acceptable? And also, to what extent is that behavior kind of, like, boiled down in other aspects of the class? Like, for instance, I mean, you know, you haven't played in some time, so I will preface this by saying that they have endeavored to fix uh, legendary items, right? There There used to be, there were some throughput legendaries and some kind of utility legendaries, right? You know, like, legendaries that were increasing your damage, legendaries that were, you know, like, oh, increasing your movement speed, kind of whatever else sort of thing, right? Uh, On the utility legendaries, pretty much universally what they did is they added a third stat block, right? So instead of having, you know, a certain amount of crit, a certain amount of haste, right? Now it has a certain amount of crit, certain amount of haste, certain amount of mastery sort of thing, right? Okay. Uh, And gets, you know, this, this just extra bonus stat to it and that has uh by the accounts that i have read generally speaking fixed everything right um at this point throughput legendaries are not just like incredibly like incredible far in a way that like the super hardcore best anymore uh and you can pop on you know utility legendaries without worrying too much you know without worrying too much about it right um but there is still a tier list, right? Because with the WoW community, you have SimCraft and you have, you know, Pawn, right? And so much of the game is kind of, you can just boil it down to kind of uh, baseline math that at the end of the day, yeah, even though all of the, let's say all of the legendaries from my spec are within about 5% of one another, right? Um, I still know that the two, there are two of them that are the top and there are two of them that are the bottom right right um and so in a in a situation where i have six legendaries right it's easy for me to kind of like look up and say i'm gonna take this one and that one because they are the two best right uh to what extent do you think that like the you know like this kind of stuff is the scrutiny that is happening kind of quote unquote within the tier theoretically right right okay i see what you're saying 
Um, so, if correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, while I was still playing, it never felt like there was as much pressure, even for legendaries, because of the random nature of of of, of getting them. Right? right. Like, even if you had a non-optimal legendary, it wasn't like somebody would look at that non-optimal legendary and be like, you know. The equivalent would be like you know switch to fury or whatever. They'd just be like, oh well, you know, like it'll still work, right? Like it's it's the the power differential. Like we prefer it if you had the the more optimal one, um, but like we'll work with the fact that you don't have as good a one, right? Like that that is that, is that correct? Is am I remembering it accurately? You know, uh, that's a good question. I I I imagine that it does, right? And I imagine that there is that there are that there are groups out there that are more. Um, uh, demanding. Yeah, yeah, like the. the... Uh, but actually, to be honest with you, even in the most hardcore groups I've been a part of, right, the only thing that matters is numbers. And so, if you can put up, you know, like like as an arms warrior, right. The, so the, having the utility of a warrior in the rain gives you access to an ability called commanding shout, right, which is kind of like a burst healing button um, that increases everyone's maximum HP by fifteen percent, and thereby also increases their current health by. 15%. So if the raid is about to take like a big raid-wide damage hit, you can pop commanding shout uh, in order to give everyone kind of like a quick burst heal, essentially, right? So having a warrior is very important, but both Fury and Arms get that commanding shout ability. Uh, and so when I was joining, uh, so, you know, like when I was looking for new raid groups and everything like that, um, I found that people were looking for commanding shout, right? And the numbers were almost a little bit secondary, right? And so they all assumed that Fury, they were getting tons and tons and tons of Fury Warriors. Um, but I was an arms warrior and I could put up reasonable numbers. You know, like I was right. pulling my weight with the numbers. I was over kind of the, the DPS threshold that was necessary. Uh, and so it's not like they were turning, you know, like it's not like they were going to get on my case about it or anything like that. But what I did see happen inside of this group is that the hyper competitiveness of the community itself, right? Uh, the lion's share of people were making changes without the impetus of the group on them. Right. Uh, I think we, you know, like friend of the cast, uh, Enoch Rakax, right, is this kind of player. Right. I don't think that there is anyone who tells him that, you know, now now fire mage is garbage. Frost mage is the best that tells him, OK, he's going to switch to frost. I think he's the kind of player that just wants to be performing at the precise optimal capacity that he possibly can be performing at. And he makes that change and he takes that change internally rather than makes it externally right. right so 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 kind of what what's 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 your challenge then there your, your question um uh, you know i don't have a good i don't even have a good okay uh, uh, uh i like i don't know it's just, this is more of an observation kind okay of yeah yeah else. yeah you and, know, like, and and i think that i think that that's always going to happen like, I think that there's always going to be the person that, like, you know, scribbles out the long math and figure and, and figures it out. Yeah, I mean, um, to be honest with you, I think it's just I think it's just part and parcel built into what makes WoW. So, OK, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but I want to get I want to, like, loop around. Uh, so uh, I'm a big fan of golf, right? 
lots of people hate golf and they're like why the it's so boring who how on earth could you be how on earth could be, you be excited to like play golf or kind of watch golf or you know like anything along those uh, along those sorts of lines and i get that right because golf does not follow like the traditional set of uh you know what we think of when we think of like sports right which is very external and like very externally competition based um where you know i'm trying to beat someone else and that is the measure for the game right you can but you can break a lot of things down you can break a lot of things down this way right you win at football by scoring more points than the other person right you win at baseball with more runs right um you you win at you win at golf by scoring less right uh, than everyone else but that fundamentally kind of means that the that it is inwardly focused rather than externally focused right i really can't affect there's no defense essentially right. in golf right i cannot i it is impossible for me to affect the other players on that course right whether or not i am there or I am not there outside of, I guess you could kind of like make an argument for like psychological factors, right? It makes no difference, right? If, if, uh, you know, if a game like basketball or a game like football doesn't have defense, right? If one team gets possession of the ball and everyone else on the other team has to leave the court, right? Those games fundamentally don't function. Right. And so the, and so the enjoy, and so that, that kind of inward facingness that comes with, um, that comes with golf, that's the thing that, that appeals to me, right? Because when you're going out there when you're playing the only person that matters in any individual shot is you right and the the excitement for the game comes from hitting a perfect swing right you 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 know you swing you hit you hit the golf ball it soars you know these crazy huge drives drives or really you know like precise well you know like well executed kind of putts right in world of warcraft especially pve right it is the same, it's the same thing. It's very inwardly focused, right? I have a very tough time. I mean, like, we work as a team, we work as a group, and I want to help the group, and I'm making call-outs and everything like that. But at the end of the day, my ability, like, the, the core feedback loop is my ability to execute on my rotation at the highest percentage of efficiency, right, in order to reach perfection is, the f is like, the draw, sure. essentially. Um, of of playing this kind of content, and because that content is built around I want to reach perfection, it begs people to be this kind of like, uh, uh, like 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 fine grain detailed about optimization with their you know like with their characters, right? And so I think, especially for World of Warcraft, this kind of behavior is exactly what the game demands essentially uh whereas other games you know like league of legends right um or or even you know kind of like hots or like dota or everything right where things are measured externally right you yeah, are you crowfall are is a is a pvp focused mmo yeah it's, so, so exactly right so crowfall also very much falls under the same you know under the same kind of uh of banner right uh, so it doesn't quite it it doesn't quite need to define itself so relativistically. In fact, I also think this is this gets to the heart of what you're talking about when you're talking about fighting games, right? Because fighting games are almost entirely this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think I think that really I think that really comes into it, and that really plays a big part in. I, I think I think that's super fair. Um, I do think that that there's like. I think the competitive element enters into it 
a little bit more than in than in something like golf, right? Like like in golf, like like I guess kind of like the 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 there like the things that you can change in golf that you know might make you could like the on the comp- on the competitive level that might lead you to make kind of different decisions are like like I, I like I you know I'm not a golfer so feel free to tell me this is off base but you know is it, is kind of like the the uh like the quality of your clubs right um or or something like that right like you you know I could try and drive a ball with like a hockey stick um uh, or or putt a ball with a hockey stick for going for the, for the Happy Gilmore reference. Yeah, I know. I, um, I see you. Um, uh, or or like drive a ball with like an iron bar, right? But that's not going to do as well as as a finely honed golf club. Mm-hmm. But kind of like the cost there is, is like a real monetary cost, and it's not like a cheap one. It's not like oh I, yeah, but I think this is why I think this is why golf has become uh, you know uh, like I think this is endemic. To why golf is such kind of like an upper class sport, sure. essentially, right? Like, because it is all about. I mean, you know, I was a caddy for five years, right? So this is kind of like my window into a lot of this stuff, right? I'm obviously, well, I'm not obviously, but I am not an, I am not a, like an upper class like golf enthusiast. But you see people talking about, you know, like oh, the latest putter, you know what I mean? Or or oh, I'm you know, I'm getting a whole new set of clubs, and that's thousands of dollars, right? You know. Um, and I'm, you know, like, and I'm sitting here working with my grandpa's hand-me-downs. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think that's why, I think that's why it's so hyper-focused on kind of the merchandise almost compared to something like, you know, football where, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure people talk about, I mean, this is, this is, so, so one of the cleats and pads and things. Yeah. But, but ultimately you can play, you can play football with, with, with a football and nothing and other people and nothing else. Right. Like it doesn't. You know, it's not a safe. You know, it's you're maybe not optimized. But the, the the point I'm trying to kind of make is that, um, you know the the like golf is very inward. It, it's very easy for you to look at yourself as a golfer and say, you know, I'm competing against myself primarily because the the, the kind of opportunity cost to get better equipment is so large that like I can't feel bad about doing worse than somebody who has a multi-thousand dollar set of clubs because right. I just can't do that. Whereas the cost for, say, like for the minimal thing in this case is which is switching spec is so little, right? Like you don't have to pay $3,000 to go switch your spec, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is it is a minimal amount of effort to, to, to kind of switch your spec. Um, uh, it's, but, you know, with considerations for like artifact power, whatever aside, that... Um, I think that the the kind of competitive drive is uh, is is stronger in WoW, right? Like I, I don't I don't think I think your your comparison is a little imperfect because you can so easily make make the like make some adjustments in in World of Warcraft if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean you know d- you know uh, I think it's measured a lot more in time than it is in strictly dollars. Right? Sure. Um, you know you have to you know in the current situation right. Uh, you have to reinvest a bunch of time to get new legendaries, to get the artifact power up, to get, you know, gems and enchants, and you're re, you know, you're retooling your gear because your stat priorities are all different sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, like, that stuff isn't, I mean, I guess you could buy tokens to get crafted gear sort of thing, but at the end of the day, you're not really going to be able to fuel that change with dollars. You can only really fuel it with time. Uh, well, that's, that's fair. 
Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely see what uh, I definitely see what you're getting at. Um, so it sounds like Crowfall is trying to be, you know, be, like because it's kind of like PvP focused, and its its version of failure, right, is is one defined by a PvP environment. Um, it sounds like like Crowfall is kind of letting you break yourself upon the meta almost you know like the in yeah and, and, and I, I in, think the inevitable meta i guess I, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that though like like you know you could say like let's use League of legends as a comparison because I, I think i think it works well in this situation um you can make off meta choices right and those are you know, depending on skill level and depending on a variety of factors, more or less important. Like, I think that's, I think spiritually, that's actually the equivalent of, like, choosing between your different specs, right? Um, and, like, you know, when when the goal is kind of, like, th these th these kind of, like, minute number changes in WoW, those, those, those differences are a lot more important. But in League of Legends, you can also go buy an AD item on a mage or an AP item on a fighter. And, like, that's, like, that is like a failure, right? Like that is a straight up failure state. That that, that is a a a bad thing to do, um, kind of kind of objectively, um, and I think and and the, the impression at least I get uh, for for Crowfall is that there are those types of choices in Crowfall. Too sure, you might have like a couple of 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 off meta choices that are you know less theoretical damage or whatever, but you know like you know maybe you're some you're, you're some crazy theory, theory crafter that discovers that like you know ap Cho'Gath is actually secretly broken and you get to, di to diamond with that um and uh but like there are there are also choices there that you can make that are that will just kind of be like objectively wrong right like if you're a sword fighter getting the discipline that makes your spells better um or like let, let's let's you cast like lightning bolts out of your spellcasting stat when you're not growing your spellcasting stat because your primary class is a fighting class. Um, I, I think those types of choices are there too. And I think that's the primary, the, the, the primary thing I kind of wanted to, to examine um, is, is that like, there are no choice. There are no choices in world of Warcraft that you can make that do that. In fact, they've been actively pulling those out of the game, right? Like um, things like cloth armors on Heladins and like, Right, right, okay, and and like bad stats on items that you just don't get anymore because every every item drops with all the primary stats now, and it just activates the right one based on uh based on your your current loadout. Um, that's still true. Well, right? so technically, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it's to a certain extent, yes. But like, for instance, there are still trinkets right that are uh, typed for. Uh, uh, there are still trinkets that are typed for like range DPS or healers or whatever, right? So it is entirely possible to like equip a trinket that has no effect for you because you're an enhancement shaman and you can't proc it essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like you are, you are, uh, like, like I, I, I see what you're saying. I think you're right. All right. Um, so, so something I, w I wanted to, to dig a little bit, the, the kind of side of this that I wanted to dig into a little bit more was, was this kind of like, uh, uh, you know, a, a defense of it in the, in the world of Warcraft space, but kind of in, in like the larger gaming space. Like, um, the, the thing, one of the things that popped to mind when I was thinking of this topic was essentially like, or it was uh, in the original Deus Ex, 
right? You could build yourself in a way that was like made the game near unbeatable, right? Like you put all your points into like swim and none of like the, the, the really important uh, kind of tasks. And you just got to points where like um, the game was hard, if not impossible. Whereas in, in, in like later games, it's like later games, the Deus Ex franchise, the modern iterations, it's hard to back yourself into that kind of corner. Now, uh, and by the way, I want to mention that you and I have talked on this ca podcast about how it was a failure of the game, right? That if you invest yourself in stealth, you would get to these boss fights. Um, or like stealth and like hacking, right. you would get to these boss fights, which are essentially just bullet sponges, right? Um, and you would be unable, just flatly unable to beat these bosses because you hadn't invested in combat stuff at all. And that they later improved upon this, right? By adding in, uh, they, they it's called the director's cut, right? By adding these kind of director's cut boss fights, uh, which... What you know, like so, what they change and what they do is that they allow you, if you have stealth, if you have hacking, right? Like you can stealth upstairs and turn on the, and, you know, hack on these turrets, right? Uh, in order to like defeat this guy, right? Um, so it, you know, like this is a sword that cuts both ways, I think. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's actually a, a very good point, right? Like I, the question I kind of I kind of wanted to explore is like, is it bad design to let the player potentially fail? And I, I think that there's kind of like. I think I don't think there's there's a, a straight answer to this. I don't think it's like a, a yes or no. I, I think there's kind of a lot of it depends because like the the problem with with say the Deus Ex the two the both of those Deus Ex examples is that like you know you like especially with the modern one right the presumption is that you, you can't know that the bosses are only going to be bullet sponges before you get to them so you can't like plan accordingly right like you can only kind of like make decisions on things that you know. Um, but like, so, so kind of for me, like letting, I, I, I personally think it's fine to let a player fail or uh, let, let a player make, make a poor decision if it's something that they should be able to anticipate, right? Like buying, buying a P on Darius type of deal. Like, so hypothetically, I can look at all my, you know, my abilities on Darius, see that I have no AP ratios and you know, like not make that choice. Yeah. Or, or kind of in like the, in, in kind of a, a less kind of absurd and simple scenario, like empowering players to kind of like make clever decisions, right? Like, you know, like seeing this, the, the, the kind of, uh, the synergy between uh, a couple of, of, of abilities and choosing those over, um, kind of an inferior set or like a, an anti-synergetic set, I think is, is fine because it rewards players for, for kind of thinking about what they're doing um, instead of just kind of like letting them, you know, uh, it's kind of like le letting them like fall off. So uh, the thing that I find actually very interesting about that is that it feels to me, I, I actually really, really enjoy that, right? I really enjoy that kind of feeling of making my own, uh, you know, like making my own build. Uh, essentially, like I do this in Diablo three, right? Um, but I find that that only really works for me in single player situations because as soon as I'm in a multiplayer situation, all of a sudden I am exposed to a universe where people put more work into it, and they do, and we that now we fall into this kind of optimization problem that you and I are talking have talked about, right? Um, how, how do you feel about playing like Magic or Hearthstone? Because I, I think that's kind of like a, a version of this problem. Yeah, no, that is, yeah, exactly, that is absolutely, 
that is absolutely a version of this problem because you know you look into it uh like you look into it first and you say okay cool i mean hearthstone is a little bit worth about this than magic because in magic your your meta is localized right me and all of my friends don't have the money to create tournament caliber decks right so we are playing against one another and our you know like an hour level of decks sort of thing uh but in hearthstone you know you just can random into fucking anybody sort of thing um, and so you're sitting there and you're making a cool or an interesting or a complex deck that is based on some kind of gimmick or whatever. And now all of a sudden you're being matched against people who have tournament caliber decks in Hearthstone uh, and you just get your shit kicked in, you know, and that sucks, right? You know, like that's not, that's not, that's not a, that's not a fun experience. Yeah. So, 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 so is, are you saying then that you, that you like that you, that you preferred not to play multiplayer Hearthstone then just in a weird way I prefer not to play like it's one of the things that keeps me from playing Hearthstone right I actually you know I have to say I actually like playing Hearthstone because I can also get into it from like that, that hyper competitive angle right where I do make up you know like I do look up a deck list and I and I make it and uh, and everything like that but um you know the I think the the piece of this that doesn't necessarily get talked about uh, in the same way is about is about making that choice for yourself, right? Right. And making and and that and the, the and how good it feels in order to see this thing naturally right and not be told this thing essentially right and this is what i like about it in diablo right uh to be honest i'm probably going to buy the necromancer pack just so that i can revisit this experience with the necromancer class sort of thing and play through the game entirely in a single person you know i'll probably just run the story to be honest with you like i don't even think i'm going to be like getting caught up in adventure mode or anything along those lines um so uh uh it, yeah, so, like, yeah, in a single-player experience, this, this is the same thing that was appealing to me about Mass Effect Andromeda, you know what I mean? In a single-player experience, I definitely think that that kind of mindset is super valuable, but I think with a multiplayer experience, all of a sudden, you're, you're like, you're no matter what going to find yourself exposed to the air of other of other players okay. and of a meta, right? And so even in a game like Crowfall, you're going to learn what class combinations are optimized and, um... So, and that's going to influence, you know, your ability to make these decisions. So I think I think they actually. So I, I can go a little bit more about Crowball. I think I have, they've got an interesting way to kind of keep that from happening super hardcore. Um, and I think this is actually kind of kind of t speaks to a truth about these kind of multiplayer things, right? Like, as as just to to, to roll into it by way of, of wow, um, as the expansion goes on, kind of like the completeness of your character. And this is also the same thing as Hearthstone. As the expansion rolls on. Your completeness of the card set kind of like starts to fill up, and so you have more kind of room to, um, to kind of optimize your your character or your deck in the case of Hearthstone, right? Like, as 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 Legion like keeps going, you will get more of those legendaries, and so you can you can slot them, um, you 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 can make those optimizations easier, and so like kind of like the the push to kind of ha be the best thing you are be, be the best thing you can be rather than just trying to like be the best with what you have kind of kind of shifts right like at the beginning of the expansion 
people are trying to like down bosses in less than optimal gear because that's what they have and they want to make the attempt anyway. Um, and there's no kind of penalty for that. Um, I think that in, in Crowfall, uh, part of it is that like, one, the way the game's set up is that uh, you're, like it, essentially the main mode of player in these things called like campaigns, which is the, the main worlds that you're fighting in um, are set over uh, like certain set periods of real world time. Like I think they go range from like 90 days to, uh, or maybe even shorter than that, like maybe 30 days to like six months. Um, and so whenever, and there are things that you can pull out of that into like the, the meta game, which has like your, your player housing, whatever that those are things are called eternal kingdoms. Um, but because the main play is in these campaign worlds, you kind of hit that reset level. Um, at once every once in a while. So, so like, whereas this only happens in a while on like kind of like an expansion release where you have like that, like, you know, 75% character full rather than like the, you know, 99. And so you're able to, to do these switches around. Also, there are pretty severe character penalty deaths. Like this, you know, for reasons that maybe we should talk about at, at some point, like maybe uh, uh, another episode. Um, This is, this MMO is, is aiming to be one of these kind of like, I don't want to call it hyper-realistic, but, like, um, kind of, like, player economy-driven, like, super sandbox MMOs that, uh, that, that, is, that, that tries to, like, put real weight on things, but in some ways so that can make the game unfun in a lot of ways. Like, when you die, um, you drop, I think, everything in your inventory. Um, and, like, these disciplines that I'm talking about, I think they have, like, quality to them. So you can get, like, a worse version, like, you can have a worse version of, like, your bard, your bard stone, um, and you could pick up, like, maybe, like, a better, like, a better quality version of a class that synergizes worse, but because the quality is better, you prefer it anyway, and I think between, like, the, um, the, the, like, the class aspects, um, or, or kind of, like, between the death penalty being high and, the, and like, these, like, it's essentially, it's putting a lot of distance between, uh, you at your, least uh, at your most optimal state and you when you start the game and and also kind of keeping that in flux for a while so it, it's harder to kind of like run to these hyper optimization points so i i think that i think this this kind of like uh starts to avoid that problem right like there because it is so hard to get to, to your hyper optimal state you can have that joy of running with what you have and have like something that while it's not theoretically 100% effective is against people who probably can't be 100% effective anyway. Um, does that make sense? You, you follow me? Uh, well, so it sounds a lot to me like, Hmm. Yeah. Oh, geez. You see, you see it kind of, uh, um, it sounds a lot to me like this is the same kind of thing that hits uh, Diablo. You know what I mean? Like it's following on certain, you know, like, I mean, the death thing is, I guess, kind of only if you're playing on hardcore. Um, right. But like, you know, it has seasons and everything like that. But that has never stopped that that kind of experience from hitting me in Diablo as well. So I really wonder. Uh, so actually, actually, I can talk about this because I was thinking about this too just a little bit. Because I okay. do tend to play at the start of seasons. I actually... Um, just kind of supposed to do the full like Diablo stuff. I think that the the seasonal set is like the worst thing to happen to Diablo, for me at least. Um, because seasonal set of items. 
Yeah. So so if you're um, if you're if, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but if you do the achievements for the season, you will over the course of like the different tiers of this achievement get set pieces for a certain set for your class, um, okay. two at a time. So like, you know, you you just you clear the first tier of achievements, you get uh, uh, you I think it's, I think it actually starts like it's not important. You clear the first tier, you get two pieces. Like maybe it's the shoulder and the legs. I think it's randomly generated. But by the time you complete the third tier, you've got a full set of one of the one of the, the classes end game sets, right? Like, right. Um, and so for me, each like each season, um, that I play, I don't I don't play like once I get to the point where it's like into like hyper niggling like very incremental stat increases like finding an ancient version of whatever i'm using or whatever mm -hmm. um that's around the time that my interest really starts to die off hard right. um and so like uh what is what the season set does is effectively shorten that window super fast right before they introduced this i would play the game until i found like most of the parts of like a set and kind of hit a power spike and like that would let, and I'd keep playing a little bit past that too because there was like, I like, since I earned that optimization kind of over the course of time, it took me a little bit while to, to fall off like the powerful feeling of that. Now, when I get that set, I, I kind of feel like very little um, incentive to keep playing the game to kind of like, because it, it gets me to that like, I want to call it like the 95% mark so much faster. Um, because you're getting all this stuff for free. Yeah. Um, also, I you know I have to say I find that a little bit weird because like how many different sets are there in the in the game? There are like three I feel or four like per class. Yeah, I feel like the last time I played there were there were a couple of different ones. So wait, so sorry. Now I'm confused. Is it do you get a set item for a specific set every time? Yes, yes, yes. Each so sorry. Each season it rotates which which set per class it gets. Right, like last season for. Um, for uh, Crusaders, it was the Thorn set, and this season I think it's the uh, Warrior of like the Warrior of Ariat set. Um, so like when you hit when you hit that first tier, you'll get two pieces of the Thorn set. If you hit the second tier, you'll get another two pieces, and then once you complete all four, you'll have all eight pieces. Um, and so you'll you'll just have all of that on you for free. Um, and those things are a little are like, well, I, I appreciate it from the fact that I don't have to kind of pull the 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 gambling lever. Um, each time it just kind of like, it, it feels, it, it doesn't feel as good. So, uh, so I guess my question then kind of becomes, um, is there a version? See, the, so the thing that always bothered me about sets is sets always felt like they were confining rather than, so I like sets in WoW. I'm, I'm going to preface this because I, I like sets in WoW because I think in WoW, um, typically speaking, right, the sets are very good at being like consistent to kind of all different builds, right? Because builds typically happen on kind of like the talent and legendary level, but not on like your base abilities, right? Right. Um, and the and the and so it's not like the sets will you know like modify an ability that you can only get through a talent. It'll always modify kind of like base level stuff. But in Diablo sets, don't do that because there is no base level stuff. Right, right. right? Literally every move that you have can be changed out. And even and like with elective mode, which I hate, um, you can change anything for anything essentially, right? Right. Um, and so you kind of get you kind of get in these things where like okay, well now you're getting a set and your set powers up specific 
moves, and so it demands that you fill your slot with that right, like move, right thing. Yeah, um, it demands you go for a certain type of build, which is actually why, like, I kind of how I make my class choice per season. Right, I, I look at the different sets, and if I don't like, like, I I wanted to play a Crusader last season, and I liked the Thorns build, so I went for the Thorns. Well, so, okay, the Thorns actually, build now, is also a little bit more uh, more flexible than, than some of the other ones. But anyway, sorry, didn't mean to. So now I so now I think I misunderstand a little bit. Um, is, is the build uh, that you uh, like, do you have access to the other sets at all? So if if they drop, you can get them. Oh, okay. But okay, but okay. so sorry. Like to be super clear, at the start of the season, like the set that will drop per class is known, right? Like it is not like you random one of them and you'll get all the pieces for one of the random sets. It's like this season, the Crusader gets every Crusader set, will right, get the yeah. Thorn set. Yeah, and that's what they get for free, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and you know. For the, the truly hardcore, that is not the end of optimization because you need to get your ancients. You need to get your your primals at this point, which are just ancient ancients. And there's like also like your, your supplementary legendaries, right? Like your your weapon and your like rings and, and however else, you know, the, the other pieces of kind of like your your uh, your set um, that go to. And that, that actually kind of keeps me going for a while because, you know, there's there's. Legendaries that I do want that would complement the set better, but I can kind of work with what I get. Oh right, and, I, and then I forgot that there are legendaries. There's no cap on the number of legendaries you can build, right? No. Um, okay. I mean, there's it's, it's as many as, as equipment slots you have. Um, actually, something that you might you might like if you if you don't like sets is there is a a ring that um that uh, oh yeah I know the thing the ring that decreases your set requirement by one no well that was not what I was going to talk about but that is the oh, thing okay I'm sorry there's a different one whereas as long as you are not wearing any set besides I think the set that this is part of like I think it's two rings um every you get like a flat stat increase for every uh, ancient legendary you're wearing so you can be like all not set pieces um and oh. and get a lot of power out of it um. But I think, but like you know, that that is a thing you'd have to farm for. Um, they've also introduced the Heradric Cube. I don't know if you if you're familiar with that, but it's essentially you can extract legendary powers from legendaries. And, oh right, right, right. And you yeah. get a free bonus legendary for your weapon slot, your helm helm slot, and for like an armor piece slot. Um, I think that's it. No, no, it's ring. It's, like, it's ring I, armor yeah. weapon. That's that's. What I it do is. remember that, and I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I I think that's the type of thing that increases player choice, and, and that actually. Um, for as much as the free season set drives, like drives my time to like abandonment down, those types of things drive my time to abandonment way up because, because oh, yeah. I could be like, Oh, I want to try and get this and get this build really going. Um, so I, um, you know, I think in those ways, like, like, like letting, g giving players the freedom to make those choices is a good way to kind of, um, extend that because it's another like 10 percent of optimization to play with that feels like big right like yeah like your bonus legendary power feels a lot more impactful than like the three percent of stats you get off of a an ancient or a primal um mm -hmm. and the differences i think are actually bigger than that but like it's numbers rather than being like rather than abilities and and, and I, you know I, I feel like we do a whole podcast on the difference between how how good um, numbers feel versus how good like actual real meaty changes feel um which is i th which is a lot of the driving force i think to wrap it back around between the, the changes between the um 
the old WoW talent system and the current WoW talent system. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so uh, the last thing that I want to mention because we're running out of time um, is how do you think that this influences tabletop games? Huh. So, um, this I think is. Like, I find this to be an incredibly interesting problem uh, yeah. in the context of tabletop. So, I think tabletop games do let you fail a fair amount, right? Like, you can pick bad feats and whatever, and this, this we've talked about this before, right? If you've got a party uh, with, like, one, like, super optimizer, that, like, the kind of power differential really can throw off the, the game feel. Um, but, on the other hand, in kind of, like, a, a more, like, meta level, um, there's kind of always been this discussion of, like, you know, wizards versus fighters, um, and like the way that that power scales. Um, this has kind of been like that's kind of like a question that's kind of like um, oldest time, and and forty kind of was, I think, uh, an attempt to really flatten that out super hard. Um, and there are other games too that that kind of go to go to more kind of like power based systems to kind of avoid these kinds of problems. Um, but you know, forty is kind of like universally maligned for for different reasons. Um, but, but like, um, I do think it's a thing that, 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 uh, I, I do think there's a push in tabletops to kind of push everybody to being like kind of equivalent uh, across the board as the game progresses. And, and I, um, I like I kind of like the mix cause it like gives everyone the same potential, but still allows for like optimizations within, um, I think 5e actually does a really good job of this. Of like letting the power game, like the the power gamers feel like just more powerful enough to really feel it, but not so much more powerful that it lets like the less optimized players feel left behind. Man, I really want to play Five E. No. <laughs> you should sign up for a game at Gen Con. Hey! Oh God, I should sign up for a game yeah, at Gen Con. We, we That's should, a fantastic. We idea. Actually, we should all we, um, you know, no for the listeners out there. Gen Con's a pretty cool thing that you should go to and you can see us at. And Oof, that's at, true. Um. Uh, the one person who actually wrote into the podcast that we read the letter of, he, uh, Jimmy, he wants to play a game of 5e with us. So if any of you fans out there that aren't Jimmy want to play a game of 5e with us, let us know, and we'll find something. We'll try and organize it. I, I don't know. I'll make it. Uh, if we actually get a response in the email to this, I'll figure out a way to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I... I um, but we should do that. We should we should play a game of five E. That would be yeah, do a five okay. E episode because you haven't ever played it. So I haven't... really I know I really want to. I read a bunch of rules. I, like I can't even remember what it was. It was like I was like laid over for a flight or something, and I was sitting in a Barnes and Noble, and then and I was and you know typically when I sit in Barnes and Noble, I look through the comic section and I go and I read you know like a comic. Uh, or something along those lines. But that time, I just happened to see, like, a big display for, like, RPGs. Um, it was right around the time that wow. Ultimate Intrigue came out, actually. What, what and fucking was... world are we living in where there was a big display in a Bard's Double for RPGs? Dude, fucking tell me about it, right? Um, and uh, and there was... Uh, by the way, this is, like, a really... You know what? It wasn't that because it was somewhere in Los Angeles. Uh, it, like, it was in, like, a really big, like, essentially mainstream... Uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, like in the center of like a super hip part of LA called the Grove. Um, so like you, you know, it's it's the it's like the Barnes and Noble in LA that like big famous people go to to talk about their like ghost written books. You know what I mean? Um, 
uh, like J.K. Rowling did like a signing and like a Q&A there or something the last time that I uh, the last time that I was over there. Anyway, uh, and so I sat down. I was just reading 5e. Uh, you know, I was like reading through the rules and I really like so much of it. Like I love sub races. Oh, sub races are the best. I really wish that, uh, that they had a system or a better, um, system. They kind of have one like that, like in Pathfinder. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that's, we're a little off topic, but yes, the, the, I do want to play 5e and I would like to do a 5e episode. That would be great. Um, look forward to that post Gen Con. Um, Maybe it won't be shit, so we'll actually resort, record an episode at Gen Con this year. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but, um, sorry, that that kind of, like, got us off on a real tangent. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about in regards to, like, um, player failure in, in, in tabletops? Because you asked me no, the question. No, I I'll guess. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's interesting because I think it's something that a lot of the time gets solved on a DM level more than anything else. Um, I'm, uh, you know, we were talking yesterday about multi-classing. Uh, I had a rule in place for Hell's Rebels that, you know, in order to multi-class, you had to take more than one level consecutively. You had to go three levels deep in a class in order to multi-class into it because I hate one-level dips um, just because I think it's a very power – it's a shitty power gamey thing to do because yeah. at the end of the day, I think um, – uh, uh, so, you know, first of all, we don't really, like – enforce like favored you know like the favored class stuff doesn't really get enforced all that much and i don't think it's very it's also powerful. yeah yeah it's, it's not that much of a deal um and also um i think that uh, i think that f- level one classes are just pumped up it's like you know like uh, the level one version of a class is like 150 150 percent of like any other level of that class, you know what I mean. So if you take a bunch of level ones in a class, like a couple of one level dips, you end up with like a lot of power. Um, I also I, th- I uh, also think that varies class to class in Pathfinder, and I think there's some particularly bad offenders like Swashbuckler. Oh, Swashbuckler is the worst of them. Um, um, but but you know like that is a rule that I created explicitly to kind of like manage how player i in a way i'm kind of forcing players to fail um and you know it's a rule that i you know that like i've created in order to kind of like manage this you know like this sort of thing um and it happens a lot of the times when you do mismatched power in in games right you know like if you have somebody who knows the system very well and somebody who doesn't right uh you know like a lot of the time you'll find yourself i kind of have done this in hell's rebels with bonus feats right rakax's bonus feats are tantamountly worse than uh, Marigrugs. And right. it's because I know that Enoch is a, is a proficient power gamer in a Pathfinder setting, right? Playing and your Warren broken isn't. ass class. Exactly. And Warren isn't. And so, um, uh, you know, when I, when I look at uh, when I look at how I want, you know, like how I want Warren to keep up with the rest of, you know, like with the rest of the party who are more on the crunch side. Well, he's kind of more of a theater kid almost. Um, I give him, you know, like I give him crazy shit in his, uh, in his bonus feats comparatively. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's actually good, 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 uh, way to launch into, um, this week's game of Hell's Rebels, because yeah, fair enough. Marigrug winning hard. Uh, I was very, I was very. Uh, at first, I was a little, um, 
<laughs> you know, because I kind of designed that whole encounter to essentially be, you swim up from below, you fight that eel shark, you try and sneak by the Gorthex and fight them if you fuck up and wake them up, right? If you wake them up, all of a sudden you've created all this racket, but really at the end of the day, you kind of, you end up fight, like fighting uh, Zurini unless you do everything right, and then you get to kind of do your crazy stealth assassination version. Uh, but you guys really did thinking outside of the box stuff, which was great. Uh, and so, like, you avoided my my amazing creature, the eel shark, that I completely made up. One of the first, one of the only, typically with a monster, I will I will start from kind of like a ground zero of, like, another monster and then, like, modify its abilities. No, dude, with the fucking eel shark, I, like, I went ham on that thing from, like, like the bottom up. Uh, so... I don't know. I'll have to figure out a different way for you guys to fight Neil Shark because I like I like them a lot. I think they're very cool. Prepare for anyway. Uh, <laughs> prepare for like every session. Just like figure out how to not fight the eel shark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We, eel sharks have a really cool ability that I added for no reason. I guess I shouldn't spoil it actually, but I do kind of want to talk about it. Okay. I'm going to talk about it because I think it's really cool and I just want to mention it. They have an ability, we'll just assume you hit a knowledge check. They have it because they have these like, they have these like claws, right? Um, because of the art that I found. Basically, the way that I made an eel shark was I started looking through like aquatic monsters, but I wasn't finding anything I liked. So I looked up like Pathfinder aquatic monsters in Google Images and I, and I found this thing that's like a green shark, but it's like an eel instead of having like fins and stuff. And it has like these claws. Right. Um, and I gave it an ability called gut punch where, uh, like it makes an attack roll. And if it hits the target makes a fortitude save. And if they fail, they are stunned for a round. But the operative thing that plays in here is that if you are, um, uh, if you're underwater, right. And you can't breathe water, you start drowning because, when you st when you get stunned, you stop holding your breath, sort of thing, uh, and I just love that. Like I, I really enjoyed that interplay with like the water mechanics because I feel like breath in uh, breath in Pathfinder is something that isn't very well. Uh, like it's you know you can just ignore it much easier than you kind of like yeah you know, should be able to. You could hold your breath um, for like constitution number of rounds or something like that yeah i mean the more and more time has gone on the less and less convinced i am that the uh uh the six seconds for a round rule makes any kind of sense at all you know what i mean like that is just like a gigantic failing I yeah find. and I, I feel like a lot of that just kind of gets lost in the wash of like the abstraction um, like, I think that's there because somebody asked for, like, a time limit rather than it being, like, based on anything, like, super real. Yeah, I mean, I think it actually, to be honest with you, got, um, uh, I think it kind of got standardized by, um, what's it, what's the, 3.5, it, it, you know, like, it kind of got standardized and codified in 3.5, but, like, hasn't kept up with, like, Pathfinder's you know yeah i don't know anyway and everybody knows that three five is the best thing that ever happened and it, it shall not be changed yeah uh, right so anyway how did you how did you uh how did you uh feel about things i really enjoyed the session i thought it was it was a great kind of jumping back in point i thought the group the only person i kind of felt bad for was weirin because like he, he yeah he got a little shafted and i felt bad um, about that too um but i really liked kind of like the 
the sneaking in, like, that kind of, like, you know, it, it always feels good as a player, um, um, you know, so the thing that Weirin did get is kind of, like, his hero moment, because, like, he's like, yeah, I bought this cape of the mountain bank. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's a, you know, so it's a cape that allows you to cast Dimension Door. Um, Once a day, yeah. Yeah. Um, without a restriction that it only casts it on you, so you, and it's got, like, so you can bring three people along with him, um, and, like, that was that's it's always great to feel like you know like your investment has paid off um so i thought that was really cool um um and also just the the, the scene with the dreamweaver i thought that was like excellent an excellent kind of call on alaric's part and like it was really great that like he got to be able to like that it worked too because that's that's also a really shitty feeling when like he's like oh we came up with this great plan and then you fucked it up so you have to deal with it on the fly which is kind of part of the experience but the fact that it went the way it did like there was just enough failure there for it to be interesting right like Merigrig hitting that first diplomacy check but missing the next two like like kind of kept everything everything on its toes right instead of like yeah yeah the sneaky assassination that we wanted to turn into the Serena fight which was kind of like perfect in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the you know, it's funny because the arena fight was uh, kind of preordained, right? In the sense that I set up this whole thing with the arena and that, like, she would fight people in it because if you wanted to take this route, right, like, you could have just gone in the arena, killed her in the arena, the arena and kind of called it a day or whatever. Um, but uh, the funny thing about the arena fight is I was thinking and I was kind of like, well, like, if I guess if he fucks up, right, the shaman will just kind of say, well, you need to fight for it sort of thing, which is basically where we, you know, like, where we ended up uh even though i think it would have ended up in a you know relatively similar position uh just kind of with more mooks uh if you had to kind of like fight the civil war almost um you right. know what i mean yeah yeah man i don't even know i thought uh i thought that that whole thing about convincing the uh so the the so the, the so the other thing is that i like these abilities that i gave alaric with the dreamweaver right F from like a plot perspective these are the same abilities that you know like gondor was using to kind of like fix plot holes for you guys um but it was nice that he actually got an opportunity here to use those i think this is like the first time like basically ever he's used the nightmare gaze once or twice uh, but, like, the touch of slumber and then the modify memory thing with, like, the rearranging your kind of dreams thing. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned this last night, but I was very – it was very important to me that uh, he only act as a conduit of uh, of Marigrug because this really was, like, Marigrug's session sort of thing. So I wanted to make sure that it was Marigrug who kind of got the operative um, – you know, chance, like, opportunity to make this, uh, like, make this dream thing, pro like, prophetic vision happen, and it wasn't something that kind of got, like, dictated by Alaric, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I, I, think it, I think it went well for that. I think, like, the, the kind of, like, amount of participation that people got um, was good, right? Like, like Merigrig was the star with, like, you know, cameos by Weirin... Alaric, Rakox, and Beauregard, which I think is kind of perfect for this kind of session. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, like, it was, uh, it, it I, I, I don't know, I, I think it was kind of, like, the perfect way for this to go. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was super happy with it. 
Good. Uh, well, I'm glad to I'm glad to uh, to hear that, especially after so long, kind of away from yeah. the game. You know what I mean? Uh, it was just like uh, yeah, to jump back uh, in with like a really kind of action packed set of things to do was mm-hmm. was was kind of perfect for like really jump starting excitement. I think for it. Plus, we got yeah. to level up. Yay! Yeah, I know. I feel so bad too because like we got the, you know like this session was also supposed to be two. Um, though I ended up I ended up padding it by by one like the original version of this was like you kind of scout the village and uh like you kind of scout the village see the the, in my head it was like scout the village see the arena use the arena call it a day all one session sort of thing but you guys really took your time with like the village uh and flesh which forced me to kind of flesh that out and then we had to add an extra session in there plus we were like four like we also added another session so what became like oh well six sessions is about enough you know to uh to wait until leveling up became like nine sessions right until like you guys leveled up yeah uh but anyway uh what else have you been doing this week arena in gaming um i don't know if i've been doing a lot i've been uh i've been mostly tied up in things that let me let me check my 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 steam recently played uh games I've been playing some more Civ just because you know that's how I'm playing a, a, a. How how is your how is your Civ game going? What's your what are your like what nation are you playing? I'm what are playing, your tactics and strategies? I'm playing Germany. I'm on an island by myself, so you know there's that. Um, Do you have like a particular kind of like build for your civilization? Almost. Um, I'm exp- I'm trying to like expand super wide over this continent while I'm waiting for like. My, uh, uh, what's it called? My, uh, uh, my, my kind of like naval text to pop so I could finally get across the, the ocean. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I'm not pursuing anything in particular just cause like, I'm mostly, I'm mostly focusing on spreading right now. Um, it's, it's still relatively early. So it's, 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 I, I haven't kind of like run into anything super crazy yet. Um, you know. It is what it is. Uh, I don't know if there's really much else to say about that. What else? I got, um, I bought this game called Tower Climb, which is a game I used to uh, play back in the day in, like, high school. I mean, it was, like, a free game that got, like, um, uh, it was a free game that got uh, kind of, like, a, a real professional release. Um, it's, it's another game that I play while I'm, like, listening to podcasts. It's got, like, mm-hmm. fair depth, amount of depth of mechanics. The idea is essentially just kind of climb up this tower. Um, it's all right. Um, it's not it's not as good as I remember it being, but it's still fun. Um, but that's that's really it. What have you... Uh, otherwise, I've just been consuming, like, E3 stuff. Um, and after you're done with your week, I, I, I think we should do, like, a very short kind of, like, E3 predictions segment. Uh, so what have you been doing this week? Uh, you know, I played more Stellaris, but I mean, I, you know, honestly, I really, like, kind of fucked that game up a little bit. I played a Ring World, um, compared to, uh, the, uh, like, the the Spirals, right? Uh, or, you know, just, like, the other kind of forms of the galaxy, right? But what kind of ended up happening is there just were a bunch of stripes of, like, empires, sort of. Um, and my empire is, but you know, like I wanted to really get into these like utopia mechanics that are very kind of like build tall, build, uh, 
you know, comprehensively, right? Um, so I am, I am definitively more powerful than like the one, the like the one empire that is south of me. Um, and he's like my rival and everything like that. But I also haven't gone to war with him because he has a lot of really powerful defense pact partners. Um, and the empire north of me is an ally of mine, right? Um, and those are the only two borders that I have because the universe is a big ass ring. And, uh, and the power that comes in defense pacts, right, where, you know, if I attack you, all of these guys get called into the war sort of thing, really makes it tough. Like, it is very tough to create, like, a, like a real hardcore military alliance with people, uh, but it is very easy to create a defensive pact with people, and there are a lot of them. Um, and so it kind of has created this, like, universal stairmate that, that even though inside of my territory... Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, like a lot of terraforming and colonizing and managing these different species and everything like that. Um, what kind of has ended up happening uh, is the uh, like the game is just kind of me sitting there waiting for like buildings to finish their completion and like months to tick over to to, to be you know to like fill out technologies and everything like that and it's kind of i don't know like it's kind of like weird and uninteresting i guess so is it just kind of like these like late game doldrums that you get that kind of yeah i mean it's a little bit of late game doldrums uh it's definitely a little bit of late game doldrums but it's also just a little bit of like the failings of the system right like i think that they have improved upon the game my initial review of stellaris was not all that glowing um but these utopia uh uh these utopia things have really changes have really made the game more more interesting and more complex to play kind of from from like the top-down empire management version of it um but uh yeah i don't know it was it was unfortunate that there wasn't a uh like a better system in place i suppose to kind of manage some of that stuff yeah, no, that that that's that, 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 that's just kind of the way some of these strategy games go. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that they have more expansions. I think a version of of Stellaris that kind of starts getting very regular expansions, kind of like Europa Universalis, um, will will get to a very strong uh, will get to a very very strong spot. Yeah, no, it makes makes sense. Um. Maybe I should jump back into that at some point, just because, I don't know. Like, playing, like, a turn or two a day of Civ kind of is, like, giving me, like, a little bit of, like, wetting my appetite for it, but it's not really, like, scratching the itch, because I really can't kind of, like, make these sweeping decisions about my strategy, because it's just, it's kind of happening too far apart. Oh, um, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, like, essentially everything... Um, for the last kind of week, there's been, like, a lot of time between, like, daily... I can kind of keep it together, but it's been, like, a couple days between turns lately. And so that kind of thing is, like, you know, come up, like, I lose the thread. And so I, 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 it starts to fall apart in my mind. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, if you don't have anything else about games you want to talk about, I think we should make some E3 predictions. Ooh, um, I've been seeing a lot of E3 predictions, but what... Uh, so I, I uh, think we should make three E3... Let, let me give you an idea and let me see what you think of this. I think we should each make a safe E3 prediction, a bold E3 prediction, and a crazy E3 prediction. 
right? Where like bold, Ooh, okay. like like safe is like something that will probably happen. Bold is like um, something that will that like m- probably won't happen, but is realistic. And crazy three prediction is something that prob that definitely won't happen. And the fact that we considering making the prediction is kind of makes a suspect type of deal. How do you feel about that? <laughs> That's fine with me. I really have to think about this, to be honest with you. Um, All right. Well, I can I can make my my safe E three prediction because obviously I've, I put a little bit of thought into this. Um, so my 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 very safe E uh, three prediction is that we're going to see um, like a a lot more kind of details surrounding uh, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. And that, like, we're gonna get a, a huge bunch of gameplay out of that, and we're gonna we're gonna get like a release date, and we're gonna get some stuff that that's like knit, really nailed down about that, and that's gonna drive a lot of the discussion around what's happening out of E3 because it's kind of like the marquee game for for the Switch or one of the marquee games. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, I don't, man, I really don't have a, I'm trying to think. So, okay, so the 1E3 prediction that I have faith in, I have a, like a, the one safe E3 prediction that I feel, I guess, um, is that, uh, uh, we will, um, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna kind of, well, okay, uh, out there, never mind, I'll do, I'll push one to bold. Uh, so the safe one, I think, is, um, uh, the new uh, Xbox or whatever that has it, whatever they call it, Scorpio, Scorpio, that has not been like actually kind of like announced and everything like that. Um, so I bet that'll come out, right? That's just gotta happen. Like all the details around that, what's happening? Yeah, with like that? all the detail, release date, pricing, and everything like that. Uh, you know, it'll probably get a real name instead of Scorpio. Scorpio. I don't think I. I bet Scorpio is like the. Like the project name or something like that, but yeah. not the actual like actual kind of. Uh, I bet it'll get a new name, and everybody will uh, will be just dis- very disappointed by the fact that the name is not as cool as Scorpio. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any predictions? Like, kind of in that vein, how do you think? Like, you what? What do you think the reaction to it is going to be? Like, is, is this Scorpio going to be like? It's kind of like killer machine, or do you think it's going to be underwhelming? This kind of based on. I think oh. this. I think the Scorpio. Uh, well, I, well, I mean, I don't know that I think it'll be a, like a killer machine. I think it'll be a very point five. I remember when they made the Microsoft, um, uh, the Xbox three hundred and sixty, kind of like that black edition. It's the one that I have. I like. I'm literally staring at it. I think it'll just kind of be like that. You know, where like or like the slim PS two sort of thing. Just like a, like a like a middle of the road update you know okay the xbox one and the ps4 have been out for a while they've been out for a couple of years it's about time sort of thing makes um, sense i feel that i'm sure there i mean i'm sure there are some people who are like it's too soon or whatever but i feel like because it's been like three years it's been more than that years, i think yeah you know? yeah i think 2013 was was when these were all released yeah so you know if the, if we're if we're at the halfway point and we're getting the ps4 pro and we're getting the um uh, we're getting the whatever the Scorpio becomes in. That seems about fine to me. Um, I mean, I think consoles are kind of like on their way. Like, I'm definitely getting the feeling that consoles are on their way out this generation. You know, like, you can really feel the domination that comes into PC gaming. Um, and uh, you can you can see the, you know, 10, 10 years ago, the Xbox 360 and PS3 were just so much more defining uh systems to like the culture of games than 
than like nowadays, right? You know, I think the the easiest the easiest example of that is kind of like the move away from kind of Call of Duty as like the powerhouse multiplayer, right? Into things like into PC games, right? Like League of Legends or uh, you know, even the new ones that are coming out, kind of like PUBG or whatever, right? Like all of this stuff happens with PC, and I think it's mostly you know, well. So, anyway. so, so do you think that's like that's, that's interesting because you know, despite a huge drop in sales, COD like COD like I think sold fifty percent of the uh, of the the year before, mm-hmm. but it was still the best selling game of twenty sixteen, um, and like all of that was on consoles. Uh, I don't know how much I agree with. Um, or I don't know how well, how easily that's monitored because like how do you factor in League of Legends to that? You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, how that's do you, a good you point. know like those those things those things are much tougher uh, to to get through. Right. That that is definitely true. Um, I also think that you've kind of I, I think I think the stronger claim is kind of that like in terms of the culture things are moving away from the consoles, but I think a large part of that is kind of like the. Um, normalization of of gaming in the in, in like the kind of like the 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 world culture, mm-hmm. and I think that like um, you know not not to 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 go full PCMR, but like consoles I think are kind of moving in the four normie space, and PCs are where like the hardcores hardcore players are going to kind of reside. Um, but you know, um, I, I think that's I think that's well considered. Um, I've... Uh, I also think that when it comes to this stuff, the rise of YouTubers and streamers as, you know, like, uh, like a primary, like, that's something that I think really, really pushes, like, PC, like, from a culture perspective, like, pushes PC to the forefront, um, in a way that's not, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. All right, bold predictions. You you have uh okay. My bold prediction is that um, Bethesda announces that their next RPG is going to be a Game of Thrones adaptation in conjunction with HBO, like an open world Game of Thrones adaptation. The reason that I make so this... so real quick because this is a great coincidence. My prediction. Is that Bethesda is going to announce an open world space game as their new IP, as their new IP? Well, fuck. Okay, <laughs> the reason that I say this is because it recently got leaked um, that HBO and Bethesda had been working on like like there's just something about them like working together or whatever. And so I and so to me that's like oh I bet they're coordinating you know like they're coordinating for their their like announcement of this, you know, of this game. The one thing the, the reason I wanted to bump this into bold category is because one, I didn't really check out all the details of that leak, right? I think it very easily could be something that's like they are just now beginning development on it or something like that, and so it obviously wouldn't be announced for another couple of years. Um uh and um I also think that uh uh I also think that Bethesda really likes to announce things near to their release dates, right? Fallout 4 was announced six months before it came out, right? Which is very much antithetical. I mean, even Square Enix, right? You know, like, my company loves to announce things, like, a year and a half ahead of time. Right. Uh, or like out to the Final Fantasy VII I was going to say, right, like, <laughs> an amount of ahead of time. Um, but uh, kind of in the same vein, the same reason I'm, like, this claim is bold for me is that, like, my thing is based on, like a guy on 4chan who claimed he was, like, a dev at, at Bethesda, um, 
who who said that that it, like that there's going to be a uh, a fantasy game announced or not a fantasy a sci-fi game announced this year, and a uh, and and that Game of Thrones is going to be like the next big thing, um, but you know that's a guy on 4chan. So you know I I was just going to say that Bethesda like the thing I I got from that I was going to be confident about was like Bethesda was going to release or going to announce a new IP, but since you kind of like put the tag on, I had I had to up the. Uh, the kind of prediction. The yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, one of us will probably be right. I'm pretty sure that you will, uh, uh, that, like, you, you, like, you, you, either you or I will kind of, like, be right. I'm, I, like, because I don't think that they're going to announce another Elder Scrolls. Um, I, I highly doubt that they're going to announce another Elder Scrolls. I obviously don't think that they're going to announce anything uh, when it comes to... Fallout? Um, Fallout, uh, Fallout, you know, I have to say, I was planning on going back to Fallout 4, but I looked up the DLC and I was like, God, there's so little of it. Yeah. Uh, for, for the game, they seem to have wrapped their, their DLC schedule with, like, Nuka World, which is, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that'll be, I, I think, uh, I think it'll be an interest, it's the one I look forward to the most each year, because they seem to, like, actually do, like, meaningful announcements at their press conference. So I'll definitely be excited for that on like uh, on it's it's Sunday night, uh, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, given that that's kind of that um, crazy prediction, my crazy prediction is that we'll get an announcement of Muscle March Two on the Nintendo Switch. What? <laughs> you, Man, I don't. Oh, interesting. Do you know what Muscle, muscle March? Do you know what Muscle March is? No. It was a game for the Wii. Where you, uh, you kind of like, you you played as like a conga line of like, ha- of like, men in like, in like boxers or like you know like 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 bodybuilders. Oh I'm looking it up right now. What the fuck is this? And you had to pose in certain ways to like run through walls, and <laughs> it wouldn't make sense for the Wii U, but the Switch controllers are perfect for it. So that that is my crazy prediction that we'll get an announcement of Muscle March Two. Okay. Uh, all right, I guess. Um, my super crazy prediction. What's my super crazy prediction? Okay, I actually know that this is crazy because of other reasons, but I'm going to predict, right, that, uh, so in the context of World of Warcraft as we're currently playing it, right, we are, uh, moving to, um, uh, like the next, the, the next thing is we're, we're going to Argus to put some kind of, you know, lasting lasting defeat into the legion essentially right um but my crazy prediction is that as part of doing that right we are going to go like because we're going to like a whole nother planet or whatever and like the twisting nether is the twisting nether and it's gonna like fuck it like time and shit like that we are going to come back from we're gonna come back from that like doing whatever the thing is and the and World of Warcraft, like the like Azeroth, will have moved forward fifty years in our absence, right? Uh, inside of that time frame, inside of that time frame, they will have made Warcraft Four, right? Which will be exactly like Warcraft, you know, like it'll be like the StarCraft Two essentially version of of Warcraft, right? Like the RTS with like the RPG elements and everything like that, and it's going to explain what happens in the intervening like. 50 years or whatever but it's also going to be a full like a full-fledged top-down like redesign of like cataclysm level redesign of like most aspects of the game 
that's my that's my crazy prediction the craziest thing about this prediction is that blizzard does not make presentations at e3 i was gonna so. say like the, <laughs> the part of the prediction is that this gets announced at e3 rather than at blizzcon yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um also, is, is, is this, like, a crazy prediction, or is this just, like, buddy fan so this, so I what So, what I'm actually relaying here, this isn't my prediction so much. Uh, well, it's kind of a combination of a couple of things. Um, this whole thing, this Warcraft 4 50 years thing, is kind of like a popular fan theory. So, it's, okay, so essentially, just to, like, back up for a second, they in the prequel, to, in the lead-up to Legion, they released a couple of comics, right? And one of the... One of the comics ended with Anduin uh, Rin hanging out with, um, what's that guy's name? The Prophet Velen, right? Uh, and Anduin Rin is is old now, right? And he's like at the head of the Army of Light sort of thing. Oh, uh, the is this Army the one of, of the vision of the future that everybody's like, well, things have to happen now. Yeah, and so and so, uh, the expectation is that 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 thing is setting up for a big time jump in World of Warcraft, um, the surrounding like to the travel to like this other you know like, uh, like surrounding like the travel to Argus or whatever. Um, also, because uh, the Blizzard designers have talked about the Argus trip as a quote-unquote suicide mission, which was later clarified to be akin to the suicide mission at the end of Mass Effect 2. Um, you know, like, you know, the kind of, like, super spearhead into, like, mega dangerous territory where you're going to, like, the collector base or kind of, like, you know, like, right, whatever right. to, like, get all these people back sort of thing. Uh, but some people read that as, like, well, all of our characters will canonically die, will, like, canonically die and then, like, be revived or something, like, 50 years later or will be, like, new characters um, sort of thing because they misunderstand that suicide uh and Jaina will be a dreadlord. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so the the point is is that this is something that gets tossed around like the RWOW subreddit a lot. Um, you know, even some of our friends have talked about it a couple of times. It's uh it's a it's a whole big thing. It's a whole big deal. All right, well. Well, uh next week we'll have to do a rundown. So so kind of just as like a lot a parting comment about this. It's weird because like all of the big conferences are happening before E three, which is like you no, know, all the big announcements. There's one. The EA is on Saturday. Bethesda and Microsoft are on Sunday. Um, uh, Ubisoft is on Monday, and Nintendo is on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Um, and like that's all before like the real show. So you know, who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? Um, but next week we'll we'll be able to check in at least some of our predictions, especially the the Bethesda one. Um, and uh, and actually the uh, my my first one. What was what was your safe prediction again? Uh, the Scorpio. The Scorpio. And the Scorpio one. So, so everything except for maybe our, our crazy... Well, you're definitely not your crazy prediction, and probably not mine. Um, if they announce Muscle March and Nintendo Direct before E3, like, that is, I think, more, like, like, the crazy... <laughs> like, as, as to, you know, announcing, uh, uh, the WoW thing at, at E3, announcing Muscle March at E3 would be a crazy thing on its own. I could see it yeah. being at like a booth somewhere, maybe if the, if that was even a real thing. But well, you know, gotcha. Um, we'll be able to report on kind of the results of our predictions. So uh, I will do my best to get this episode up um, before then, so we can have proof that we didn't cheat. Um, but yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to say? 
I had nothing else that I wanted to cover, so... Uh, yeah, in uh, that, yeah, I'm good to go. In that case, you can uh, email us with your E3 predictions um, or your thoughts about player failure or any of the other things we talked about today at SubDurbsPlayGames at gmail.com. You can watch us at twitch.tv slash SubDurbsPlayGames. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, leave reviews on iTunes and SoundCloud and comments, and we love all of that. Um, and uh, I think that's about it. So um, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.